0: Welcome back to, to the, the Dead, Dead to the World podcast.
1: podcast. I'm Tasha. I'm Lexi. And I'm Mama Dawn. Thanks for joining us today again.
0: Every week, you never fail. We love
1: you.
2: Yes, thank you.
0: <laughs> so, um, I'm just trying to think about. Well, what? don't hurt yourself. <laughs> oh my goodness, that was so mean.
2: I know. No, I'm just kidding.
0: I'm just trying to think. I'm still in New Mexico. You guys are still here. In a couple weeks from now, it's going to be October. And we're going to be going to Disney.
2: Oh, oh my gosh, gosh, I'm so excited. I'm
0: so excited. <laughs> Me too. If you've ever been to Disney in October, please email us what to look out for, what to do. Like like what's the best what's thing? What's the best thing? Like cuz I've been I've had my fair share of Disney experiences, okay? But I've never been to Disneyland in October correct and it's like the one time i've always wanted to go so i'm super excited
2: and if you don't currently follow our social medias or subscribe to us on tiktok here's more incentive to do that because i am sure we'll probably do a lot of videos you want to see our disneyland
1: adventures go give us a follow give us a follow all right
0: so today we are going to be talking about sleep apnea now you may ask what is sleep apnea Well, I'm here to share it with you from our favorite source, google.com. Google. (laughs) So sleep apnea is a potentially serious sleep disorder in which breathing repeatedly starts and stops. Stops and starts. Does it repeatedly? Vice versa. Repeatedly. That's what it says.
2: I know. You just said it kind of weird. That's all. Sorry. I
0: apologize. Um, If you snore loudly or feel tired even after getting a full night's sleep, you might have sleep apnea. The main types of sleep apnea are obstructive sleep apnea and the more common form that occurs, or excuse me, this is the more common form that occurs when the throat muscles relax. Now, I actually got tested for sleep apnea once. You did? Yeah, you didn't know? Yeah. No, I
1: didn't know that.
2: We yeah. talked about it on the podcast I, oh, yeah. I forgot.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. If you didn't know, or if you skipped those episodes, how dare you? Um, I, yeah, it was, I had an oximetry test.
2: Yeah, it was one you did at home. You didn't go to a sleep study at a Correct. clinic. Correct.
0: Yep. And the reason I had this is because, one, I was snoring all the time, and it was driving Kyle insane. Two, I would get, like, full nights of sleep, and I was, like, exhausted the next mornings. And I don't know what number I'm on. Four. Kyle, like there was a few times where he thought I stopped breathing and, you know, he'd kind of like, oh, Tasha, and like wake me up and Mm -hmm. then i would like, whatever, I was fine. Well, it turns out I don't have any issue, so that's good. And I don't really do that anymore. So I don't know what the case was, but. Strange. Anyways, so potentially serious sleep disorders. There's risk factors that are involved with sleep apnea, which would be your age, um, your weight. Um, It's more common in men. And symptoms include, again, snoring loudly, feeling tired. And so I'm not going to go into treatments because mom's going to go into that later.
2: Yep. I was almost like, and treatments, la, 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 la. Oh, nope, psych. All psych. Right. um, right. Doesn't, did your information pull up, like, the health concerns that could come from having sleep apnea? No. I believe, if I remember what I was reading right, um, heart disease, diabetes um high blood pressure let's see
0: it says if left untreated sleep apnea can result in a number of health problems hypertension stroke cardiomyopathy i don't know how to say it cardiomyopathy yes enlargement of the muscles in the tissues of the heart heart failure diabetes obesity and heart
2: attacks so did it say kidney disease there Oh, I I know there was one that I read that said kidney disease as well.
0: So if you think you have sleep apnea, please go to your doctor.
2: Yes. We are not experts. We're just reading information we've gathered online. From the Googles. But if anything that we say triggers something that seems familiar to you, please go talk to your doctor about it. And then I also just wanted to say, you know, you may recognize that we've talked about this before. It's been touched on in Other episodes that we've done, but we just wanted to give it a little bit deeper dive here today.
0: We're going to go deep and we're going to dive. So, put on your Speedos and put on your bikinis. Put on your swim cap.
2: That's what I was thinking. And your goggles. And your nose pinchers. Oh,
0: yeah, your nose plugs. And your little floaty arm floaties if you don't want to dive or sink. And your fins. (laughs) Okay. And your mermaid tail. So, if you're one of the unfortunate sleepers who do have sleep apnea or you suffer from sleep apnea or and you experience nightmares, you will be pleased to know that there is an end in sight. A controlled study found that the regular use of a CPAP machine. And for those of you who don't know what a CPAP machine is, it's
2: continuous air pressure.
0: I'm Googling the definition. Here we go. What exactly does a CPAP machine do? As you sleep, a CPAP provides air at the pressure just high enough to prevent, your, to prevent the collapse of your airways. The pressurized air is provided through a mask that seals your nose and mouth. And this allows you to breathe without much effort and sleep without waking up. So, so be aware this, the CPAP machine does not breathe for you. It just pressurizes air through your nose and mouth to help prevent your the close your throat from closing. closing. Thank you. Yes, was that all? Just a little combumbled? No, it was
2: fine. Okay, (laughs) just Just a a little. It was was fine. fine. (laughs) I was just like, well, I'll check that off my list of things to talk about. Okay, so the study found
0: that having a CPAP machine could put a complete stop to those nightmares and immensely anxious dreams. So although you're probably going to have more active dreams of a happier nature uh, and like the lu- how do you say this word? Lucidity, Thank you. The lucidity will decrease as you get used to your CPAP, the same study found that a decrease in dream recollection was a good sign. Because that means the person's treatment has been normalized.
2: Yep. So it means you're not waking up as often.
0: Correct. So I have a few little snippets, snippets, but I did mean to say snid bits, but anyways. Snid bits? Yeah. Like snippets? Yeah, snippets. I Why know. did you say you I didn't said per- snid bits? Oh, I did. I just said it like wrong, weird on purpose. Okay. Sorry. All right. So one year ago on Reddit, there was a post by Dorato. Dur- and they say i've been using a cpap machine for nearly 2 years now and i've recently realized that i don't dream when i use it ever on the odd occasion that i fall asleep without my cpap i will then have a hyper realistic dream but they almost always end with me drowning usually in a shallow shallow usually in a shallow amount of water like a puddle i hate sleep does anyone relate to this
2: well, that makes sense because if they have a apnea episode, they're not breathing, which would right. be associated with drowning.
0: Right. Like they're they need air. Yeah. I so, saw a lot of
2: similar stories like that too. Yeah,
0: like their brains associating the fact they can't breathe with probably putting them in a storyline of their mm-hmm. drowning.
2: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Now this next one is also from Reddit and the username is this Sheepherder 7521. Love it. I love, love it. it. <laughs> he says or she says, sorry, I shouldn't assume. They say my experience is almost identical. No dreams when I'm using my machine. Frequently drowning sensations when not using it. For what it's worth, I keep track of my sleep with a Fitbit also. I try to take it with a grain of salt, but it's, but it's of note that the device records almost no REM sleep when I use my CPAP and much larger proportions when I don't.
2: So it records... It's records. The Fitbit. Yeah. You just said a weird word. I did. Yeah. But that's okay. So you're saying when they have the CPAP, they're not going into REM sleep? This person's saying that when
0: they have the CPAP, their Fitbit is not registering any REM sleep.
2: Interesting.
0: And when they are not using the CPAP, there's larger portions of REM sleep, which hmm. is kind of backwards from what you would think. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we're not going to
2: discredit this person's experience. So. No, because everybody's different. And then
0: another one, username Inmissus In- Cargo, I believe. They say, same, I had a frequent, vivid dream before my CPAP, and now I rarely dream or recall my dreams. Lots of life changes around that same time, so I don't know if I could pin it all on my CPAP, but I imagine that dreams are harder to recognize or remember if you fall asleep all the way through them instead of being able to f- force into wakefulness in the middle of them. Exactly. Which makes sense. Makes sense. Yep. Next one from Juice, f- Juice Fee. I don't know how to say it. I have the opposite experience. For five to seven years before being diagnosed, where I felt like I would wake up every five to 10 minutes throughout the evening, I do not remember dreaming that entire five to seven years. The first thing I noticed when I used my CPAP was that I started dreaming, something I hadn't experienced. Not sure how this all relates to sleep cycles, but for me, this was a huge change likely brought on from not waking up every five to 10 minutes. So I guess if you really look at it, like, when you're in your REM sleep and you wake up during REM sleep, that's when you remember your dreams. Correct. However, if somebody's not asleep long enough to even have a dream, it could be the, that case where... They
2: just never they made, made it never, into REM sleep. Exactly. Or... Because you have to be asleep for like 90 minutes to get into REM sleep. I believe so. Usually.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, it could just be when you're dreaming. You, you could wake up and just think you didn't have a dream. Even though you did. True. So would I don't not remember it just, it. exactly. And then my last one is from Lobster 70. Makes me want red lobster. Money, 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 money. Money, money, money. Mr. Krabs. The <laughs> so they go on to say, I also noticed that I remember far fewer dreams after I began using my CPAP. Don't worry, it's a good thing. You remember dreams more when your sleep is interrupted. Not recalling dreams doesn't mean you're not dreaming. In fact, if I remember my dreams now, 10 plus years with a CPAP, I know it's because I did not sleep well. And that's kind of what we were just saying. So those who have a CPAP, most of them saying that if they do have a dream or recall a dream, then they didn't get a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're using the CPAP and you're getting good sleep and your treatment's working, then you're kind of... Your recollection or variety or consistency of dreams is like shortened. Yep, you don't quite remember them and such of that. So,
2: Yep. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go next. And I know you guys have heard me talk before about my friend slash coworker um that suffers from sleep paralysis episodes. Well, he also suffered from sleep apnea. And he's the one that really wanted us to talk about the subject because he was very curious to find out how other people had experienced dreams after having the CPAP because he doesn't remember dreaming at all before having his CPAP. And then when he first got the CPAP, he noticed that he dreamed a lot and they were like super colorful, super vivid. But then now they've calmed down. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of what a lot of the things that I read suggested is that right at first, because your body is not used to getting such good sleep. That you might have these very lucid dreams, but he also said that he does not suffer some from sleep. Per- he also said he does not suffer from sleep paralysis anymore either. That after he got hmm. on the CPAP,
0: it he hasn't like...
2: experienced that anymore.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So
2: that's not a connection that I've heard before in any of the research, but you know it, that was his experience. So I am going to uh, talk about some information I got from WebMD. Uh, that talks about uh, sleep apnea treatment. So the treatment, of course, is to open your airway so you can breathe better at night. Many devices can help make this happen. Among the most common are the CPAP machine, which Tasha talked about. Uh, There's also mouth appliances and specially designed pillows as well, which I thought was interesting. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is mouth devices. So you can get these custom made or buy them over the counter. Whatever type you choose, you do need to see a dentist to have them fitted. One is called mandibular advanced device, which they call MAD, which I thought was an interesting acronym, MAD. mad. This looks like a mouth guard that athletes would wear. It snaps over the top, your, let's see, it snaps over your top and bottom teeth. Hinges let your lower jaw ease forward, which keeps your tongue and soft palate stable, so your airway stays open while you are asleep, which makes sense, um... I am from a dental assisting background, and if, you know, you're helping out with like a surgery, like a wisdom teeth extraction, and people are asleep, you literally have somebody that's called a chinner that stands behind the person and pulls their chin forward so that their airway stays open the whole time. I did not know that. I did
0: not know that either. Yeah,
2: most people don't know it because you're out, so you don't know that somebody's standing there holding your jaw the whole time. And who knows, maybe they have appliances now as well or something else that does it. But when I was going through my dental assisting training, I worked... uh, or I interned at an oral surgeon's office. And I got the lucky job of being the chinner. So, <laughs> she anyway. was the chinner. <laughs> the next one is called a tongue retaining device. This is sort of like a splint that holds your tongue in place to keep your airway open. Doctors don't prescribe it as often as the mad It can be harder to get used to and less comfortable, which I can imagine that. It'd be like almost having like a spike in the top, roof of your mouth so your tongue doesn't go up, which I don't think I'd like that. No, that's... Doesn't sound very comfortable. No. And it says you can buy a boil and bite device over the counter or online, which you heat and water and then bite into to make it fit your mouth. The aim is to move your lower jaw forward to improve your breathing. Uh, These devices may not work as well as ones that are custom made. Researchers in Europe studied 35 people with mild sleep apnea. Some use the custom made devices and others use the boil and bite products. And only the custom-made ones reduce the average number of apnea problems per hour.
0: Hmm. I mean, so honestly, makes sense.
2: Yeah, so pretty much they're saying, like, you know, before you buy something, talk to your doctor and decide what's best for you. Well, and I
0: was going to say, too, like, sounds like, because I didn't know this, sounds like if you possibly have sleep apnea, CPAP is not like your, no, you, like.
2: It's not the only option. Yeah,
0: that's like not the
2: number one thing, like, okay, well, you're going to be stuck to a machine. Yeah, it depends on how severe it is. So I, uh, in this article, they also talk about a positioning pillow. So if you do a quick online search, you'll find many types of pillows to relieve sleep apnea. They're designed for use with the CPAP machine or without it. They come in different styles, including a wedge shape which raises your upper body. So sleeping on your back with your body ele- elevated from the waist up may keep your airway from collapsing and in turn improve your condition. The American Sleep Association for apnea, says use foam wedges, not soft pillows. So not something soft to, that you like would slump into. Uh-huh. It needs to be firm. Makes sense. Uh, sleep apnea pillows that you can use with a CPAP machine position your neck so the airway is more likely to stay open. Once you use with the machine are meant to make you more comfortable when you wear the CPAP mask. Some have features that reduce pressure from the mask to keep it from, and keep it from rotating out of place. A small study of the pillow used with the CPAP showed that they do make some users more comfortable, but the people were no more likely to keep using their machines than those who didn't use the special pillow. So I think that's kind of a common thing, like the the CPAP can be kind of annoying, and so some people will not use it as often as they should. Um, This one is tennis balls. Can you think of how you would use a tennis ball to help sleep apnea? Like put it under your chin? No, but I, I, I thought about it that way too. About half of people with the disorder have most of their breathing problems when they sleep on their backs. The position can make your tongue and soft palate rest against the back of your throat and block your airway. So sleeping on your side may improve your symptoms. To keep you off your back, some doctors suggest that you pin a tube sock filled with a couple of tennis balls on your back of your pajamas. Oh, interesting. So one study of the tennis ball technique showed it did help some people. Of the 50 people who used the method and reported back, 38% say they were still doing it six months later. They said that they had better sleep quality, more daytime alertness, and quieter snoring.
0: I feel like I would end up just taking off my shirt so I could roll over.
2: Probably. It's just... Very, very interesting how sometimes something so simple or seems kind of dumb can actually make a difference. And then, of course, the CPAP, which stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. The machine uses a mask to fit over your nose or, the, or your nose and mouth. It blows air at a pressure that keeps your airway open during sleep. Your doctor can tell you the right pressure to use and how to set up the machine. Over the years, these devices have become smaller, lighter, and much more quiet. Some common side effects include nasal congestion, dry mouth, and skin irritation, but treatments can help relieve all of these things. The key to using the CPAP is to make sure it's comfortable. You can choose from a few different models, so you should be able to find a mask that works for you. The device works very well, according to the National Sleep Foundation, but doctors say the key to success is to use it every night. So that seems to be a common theme. Um, And then finally, a nerve stimulation device. So when your tongue and other tissue in your throat fall back and block your airway, a small device called a hypoglossal nerve stimulator can help. About the size of a pacemaker, doctors put the device inside your chest through minor surgery. With a small remote, you can turn it on and off before you go to bed. So turn it on before you go to bed, turn it off in the morning. It monitors your breathing patterns and sends signals to the nerves that control your tongue and other muscles. They move forward and keep your airway open.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's kind
2: of cool. Yeah, so so basically like you'd be sleeping and all of a sudden your tongue would like come out of your mouth. <laughs> so this gentleman that I'm friends with that has the sleep apnea, his brother couldn't handle the CPAP and he got this uh, implant. device. This implant device. So it's but like that's you're laying I, there
0: and then your tongue's like...
2: Eep. Yeah, because I had to search a little separately about this one. Um, the device is an option for people who have tried to CPAP without success and don't use it properly and a few studies suggest it works as well as the mask machine combo but ask your doctor if it's a good choice for you. Mm-hmm. So, I grabbed a little bit more information about this off of the medicalnewstoday.com and it says presently the Inspire upper airway stimulator system is the only FDA approved sleep apnea implant to treat moderate to severe obstructive sleep apnea or OSA. So, a Oto, let's see, let me see if I can say this right. This is what an ear, nose, and throat doctor's official title is, or type of doctor. It's an otolaryngologist. Okay. I had to look that up. Anyway, they have performed the implant surgery. Uh, they will implant the pacemaker-like device in the upper right chest beneath the skin. The sleep apnea implant detects a person's breathing pattern and generates mild electrical impulses to open the airway. It features four main parts. So it has a generator, a breathing sensor, a stimulator electrode, and a remote. So the breathing sensor detects breathing and sends signals to the generator when a person breathes. This in turn activates the generator to send alerts to the stimulator electrodes to act as the hypoglossal nerve. The hypoglossal nerve is the nerve responsible for tongue movement, As electrical impulses stimulate the hypoglossal nerve, the tongue muscles move forward to open up the airway, improve airflow, and reduce sleep apnea. A person can use a remote control to regulate the device. A doctor will advise about how to manage the device and may recommend using it alongside other treatments. So there are uh, different procedures that you need to go through to see if you're a good candidate for this type of procedure. So they would do an endoscopy to see, you know, how your throat and all that kind of stuff is to see if it would be a good thing for you or maybe you have other problems in that area. So you have to be over 18. You have to have moderate obstructive sleep apnea. Um, You have to have a body mass index of less than 32. So you can't be overweight Uh, The drug-induced endoscopy shows that you're a good candidate. They are unable to have their tonsils removed, which I thought was an interesting aspect of it. Wait, you're you're
0: not supposed to have your tonsils removed?
2: Yeah, it says they are unable to have their tonsils removed. I honestly don't know if it means that they don't have their tonsils removed or... Once they get the
0: device, I'm thinking you can't get your tonsils tonsils removed. Maybe that's That's it. That's how I took it.
2: They are unable or unwilling to use the CPAP And other OSA treatments have failed in their condition. So this is what you should avoid though if you're going to have, if you have the implant. You you wouldn't want to be pregnant or becoming pregnant. Um, Have an unsuitable upper airway as determined by the endoscopy. Frequently get or need an MRI scan. Are unable to operate the remote. Have a condition that can block their upper, upper airway. May undergo any procedure that could affect their upper airway have an implant device that can interact with the sleep apnea device. So I don't know what that would be. Maybe it would be a pacemaker, since I think they kind of go in the same area. Various studies have shown that sleep apnea implants work effectively to treat the OSA or the obstructive sleep apnea. So in a 2020 study found that the hypoglossal nerve stimulator results in better outcomes for people with OSA, allowing them to sleep better. In addition, in a 2021 review that analyzed 31 studies concluded that the neurostimulation is a very effective treatment for people with OSA who could not tolerate the traditional CPAP device, which is the gold standard treatment. So they're saying the CPAP is so great, they wouldn't really recommend people get the implant unless that doesn't work for them.
0: Right. So it's kind of like a last resort,
2: if yes. you will. Mm-hmm. So in summary... Although it is minimally invasive, invasive procedure, sleep apnea implant surgery is not suitable for everyone. A person will need to have a thorough assessment by the sleep specialist and surgeon to determine whether they are suitable for the procedure. Sleep apnea implant surgery has a high success rate and can offer long-term benefits for select people with moderate to severe obstructive sleep apnea. Anyone considering sleep implant surgery should discuss with a doctor whether it's suitable for them. Gotcha. So I just thought that that was interesting there was i I feel like I always just hear about the CP, the CPAP I didn't know that there were other things that could be done previously so I thought that that would just be good information if it's something you or somebody that you know is suffering from and I'm gonna turn it over to Lexi now okay, so I just have a
1: couple of stories from people with sleep apnea or undiagnosed what they believe is sleep apnea I guess I could say got it. It's these are people who found a sleep apnea support group and were trying to get advice from people if they think that they should get tested and stuff like that. So I thought it was kind of insightful. If this is happening to you, you may not know that this means you could have sleep apnea. Okay, that makes sense. So the first one is from Reddit and the user is teacup2020. They said, I have instances at night where I can't breathe. This started early in 2020 and happens randomly, sometimes once a month, sometimes twice. There was a point where it happened several times within two weeks. Instead of my body just waking me up so I can readjust, the not being able to breathe happens in my dream as well, and it's traumatizing. At that point, I start lucid dreaming, which I can't do any other time, and I can't even enjoy the coolness of it because I'm literally dying for air. In the dream, I always try to fix it. This has happened what feels like over 50 times now, and each time I try a new method to be able to breathe. I have tried asking people around me for help. They never know what to do and end up panicking with me. Calling 911, but never making it to the point where they arrive. I've tried walking it off in a way to see if the pressure from standing helps, which it doesn't. I've tried flying around just to see if I could, which was briefly cool, but I still couldn't breathe. I've tried other silly things like actively opening my mouth, but still no air gets in. Last night was kind of different. It lasted the longest it ever has, and I just couldn't wake up. In this dream, I opened my mouth, but this time I stuck my hands down my tongue. I'm still not exactly sure what I did, and I was able to get my first one breath in from being in that state, but I couldn't do it again, and maybe that's why this one lasted so long, because I did manage to get another breath, thus drawing out how long my suffering actually lasted. I had my first sleep study done last year, and they said they didn't see anything. I am in my late 20s, female, and my weight has always been healthy. I have no issues going to sleep or staying asleep. My father, who is also a healthy weight, says he struggled with apnea in his youth, but not so much anymore. After the prolonged not being able to breathe last night, I am genuinely afraid now. It was bad in the past and uncomfortable, but after last night, I am disturbed. I don't know why this is happening or what I can do. I cried this morning. I feel alone and misunderstood by anyone I try explaining this to. My overall mood lately has been blah, but not bad. I've always struggled with anxiety, but I thought I was actually starting to do better. My boyfriend and I had a stressful discussion before bed, so I'm wondering if it's stress-related apnea and how could that get diagnosed if it happens inconsistently. I found this sub, thankfully, because I couldn't find any other ones on Google, and I'm in desperate need to find someone that understands what I'm going through. I plan on finding a psychologist to help me at this point, and it seems like I'm getting it seems like getting a CPAP machine wouldn't be a bad idea. I feel like one of these times I won't be able to wake up.
2: That's scary.
1: Also, I would just like to say this is the only Reddit post I've ever seen where people in the comments were mean.
2: Really? (gasps) They were
1: like, this post is sus. Like, dare they? And they were just being mean. And they were like, stress-related sleep apnea isn't a thing. And the girl responded she was like, oh, I Googled it. And it said that that was a possibility. And people were just being mean to her. That's terrible. I was like, she's just trying to get help.
2: That's horrible. So
1: if you are for whatever reason listening to this, I'm very sorry that everyone was so rude to you. It like genuinely made me mad when I was reading it.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, and the thing is, is the way that she was saying in her dream, she like put her hands in her mouth to Mm -hmm. like try to get breath. I wonder if she actually did that in in real life life, because if she were to like push down on her tongue, she she would have opened up her airway. Mm, Interesting. So... Someone like
1: people, some people were recommending things in the comments between the mean comments. And they were just saying they agree that she should get another sleep test or get a monitor to try to
2: track her heart rate herself and just kind of see what happens. But Well, and when you get a sleep, well, I've had a sleep study done um, a while back because I was having some like muscle weakness and stuff. And they were wondering if it was sleep apnea that was causing it. Mm -hmm. But you go and see a neurologist as part of that thing. And the neurologist was so amazing. It was actually like a therapy session <laughs> because she was just like, well, what stresses you out when you go to bed? Like she was just asking me all these questions and they were things like, oh, well, at that time, Daddy Dell was gone all the time. And so I was alone with the girls. And I always would think before I went to bed, I'd like make sure the phones were right next to me, like mm-hmm. the cell phone and the, and the landline we had at the time. And it was like, okay, if somebody broke in the house, like what's my plan? How do I get to the girls and get us safe before mm-hmm. this intruder could come? And then she's like, "Well, do you live in a high crime area? I'm like, no. Do you have an alarm system? No. Well, do you think it might be worth like the thirty dollars a month to get an alarm system? Well, yeah, I guess. But even but after we talked <laughs> well, about yeah, it, I guess I stopped worrying about it. Like we mm-hmm. didn't get an alarm system at the time because it was like, yeah, I don't need that either. I'm distressing out for no reason. Yeah. So I'm just saying if she if it might be. Done with stress. If she gets another sleep study done through a different doctor, mm-hmm. they'll have her talk to a neurologist. Oh, usually, that's good. And then they might be able to help her figure out.
1: Well, I'm really, I really hope she finds help. Between the ages of 13 and 15, I started to feel like something was wrong. In the years since and until recently, this has largely been put down to depression and anxiety. It never really fit, but that was the best explanation. I've had blood tests, which were always fine, a brain scan, which was fine, psychiatric assessment, tried holistic approaches and lifestyle changes, but to no avail the lifting of this, in quotations, wrong. At a young age, I would wake up and stare at the floor and feel zombified. I would slug through the school day and feel kind of separate from life. I'd play football with a friend and start to feel a different kind of tired. It was weird because I knew what tiredness was, but this was different, so I never attributed it to not getting enough sleep.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: And he was also a child. So, you know, you probably think differently. True. The years went on. I flunked exams and struggled very hard with jobs and getting my degree, but I tried and got through somehow. All the while, something felt wrong. I was otherwise very fit and healthy. At 17, I had a keen interest in martial arts, something that carried on into my mid-20s. By my late 20s, I had to cut back on things in life because it all felt too much. I kept looking for this thing. I looked at what made people feel this way. Maybe the city is too much. Maybe people seem to get stressed in cities. Noise pollution stresses us out and the air isn't clean. So then I thought, okay, I'll move to the countryside. Then I'm in the countryside. Okay, now I feel like I'm too remote, not getting enough people contact. And I need to remedy that. Fitness, nutrition, and jobs that I thought were too sedentary I've let go of, and I have a long list of things that I've looked up on different studies and tried to change to no avail. And now I've made a life where I can survive, but it's not where I want to be. It feels like I went to sleep as a kid once and never fully woke up. I used to fantasize I'd wake up from a coma and I'd be normal again. And instead of life being black and white or feel like I'm watching my life on a TV, it would be colorful, normal, and I guess... I'd have some sense of normal from when I was younger, but this isn't happening. I'd fantasize that they'd find a parasite in my brain, and when removing it, I'd be normal again. I don't believe in them, but I thought maybe there was a ghost coming to me in my sleep and doing something to wake me. One of the more creative searches for an answer, I guess. I had this horrific thought I'd reach old age, this veil would be lifted, and I'd briefly feel what life could have been, but now it's too late. Now I feel like I haven't had a restful night's sleep in over 20 years, and as crazy as it sounds, it seems that might actually be the case. Something else I have had is a constant red, raw throat, and it always hurts when I sang or talked loudly at a party all night. I never picked up much interest at the doctor, and my severe gag reflex meant they couldn't look much. Now I've been to doctors over the years saying life felt like I was in a dream or like I was watching it on TV and was tucked under the depression umbrella. I think I related to fatigue that way because it started at such a young age. My baseline for existence essentially shifted, and that's not what my understanding of tiredness was. There were some tests for tiredness, the blood tests for iron deficiency, etc., but they were always fine. Plus, my youth meant I could still function. In more recent years, this has become more of a struggle. The throat thing, I decided to give another go. A month or so back, I got a referral to an ears, throat, and nose doctor clinic, doctor clinic same thing the doctor at the clinic yeah there you go <laughs> examination confirmed my throat is too narrow meaning i sleep with my mouth open and the result is a constant raw throat my mouth shape is called malapati class 4 i guess is what it's called suddenly things click into place there's an unfortunate piece of the puzzle in my early 20s my girlfriend at the time would be looking at me in horror when i woke up you stopped breathing in your sleep she'd say if I were to ever write a TIFU, I don't know what that is, f t i f u, which I Googled and I guess stands for Today I F'd Up. <laughs> so it says, it would be the TIFU by thinking sleep apnea wasn't, was exclusive to overweight middle-aged people. I dismissed sleep apnea as a potential issue. As mentioned above, I was fit and healthy and starting to question if I wasn't just a little bit crappy at life. Lazy maybe, depressed, always had to be that. At this point, I didn't snore either. And in regards to the girlfriend, I love this person very much. And unfortunately, in all my naive and desperate measures thought, ah, a relationship, that's what's missing. People get good chemicals even from a hug. Maybe that's it. Maybe now I'm in love and have this person. This will fix it. Of course, that kind of expectation of a relationship is never going to work. But to be gentle on myself, I can understand it and forgive myself now. It seems I was approaching my second decade of sleep disruption. It didn't work out and I didn't deal with it too well. My efforts to find the thing dropped. I accepted depression was the cause and worked on that. I left my job. I couldn't hack it. Even then, at mid-20s, I'd need to nap during the day. I tried light therapy, another of my attempts. It didn't cut it, of course. Here I am awaiting a sleep study. Sleep apnea is not confirmed yet, but what I have confirmed is my malampati class 4 confirmed narrow throat passage and referral for a sleep study. A girlfriend from my early 20s saying I would stop breathing in my sleep. I asked and got confirmation from a more recent girlfriend from a few years ago saying the same thing. A need to sleep later in the day, mood disorder over the years, emotional fatigue, sometimes I wake up doing a single sharp snore, reports of snoring, though I've been on my own these last couple of years so no one is there to confirm anything more lately. I also bought myself a continuous O2 and heart rate monitor. The results show multiple drops an hour and O2 followed by a jump in heart rate from about 58 to 90 plus. And wow. his O2 drops as low as 86%. Oh,
2: yeah. He definitely. I don't know what that Most, most definitely means, but I think you're supposed to be in your 90s. Oh, okay. Always. I think you can be That's somewhere in the 80s. Well, Maybe we're high 80s. We're not doctors. Kyle! Just kidding. <laughs> well, I just know when I've been in the hospital, it, the machine would start beeping if I got below like 90 I think maybe that's what it was. Below 90, the machine would beep to let them know I was below 90.
1: Hmm. And then he says, I lent the device to a friend and got a reference point, and his is smooth. O2 doesn't drop, heart rate is consistent, and mine looks really spiky. And I could have very much written this article. He shared an article about sleep apnea. So if you're interested in reading that, it's from theguardian.com, and it's called Sleep Apnea Made Me Feel Like I Was Dying. Oh, wow. But I didn't include that since this was already so long. Okay, that's fine. He continues to say, I'm waiting for an NHS referral, but ordered a private home sleep test in the meantime. The one thing I'm yet to ask, and the thing that I'm most keen to know is, can sleep apnea be responsible for feeling of watching my life on TV? My understanding of sleep apnea and constant disrupted sleep means your cognitive function is compromised and you don't process things so well, and I guess that would align with this feeling of being underwater, in a fog, or distant, like life is a dream, you know? Could sleep apnea starting at a young age finally answer that question? I really want life to feel like I really want life to stop feeling like it's a dream, and I think sleep apnea is causing it. Constant fatigue and no restorative sleep for such a long period of time seems a likely candidate. What is tiredness for one person can be completely different to another. One thing, among all others, is if it is sleep apnea, which all data points point to, it's very validating. The author of the article mentioned above describes being despondent. Is that a word? Yeah, despondent. Okay. And I wonder if that's a better description for what I feel. Maybe I came up with the watching life on TV as a kid because I didn't know how else to to describe extreme fatigue and poor cognitive function. I think it's that feeling of watching life on TV. Being so fatigued you're just completely despondent. Yeah. (laughs) Can't process or remember things properly. Don't our brains store and process information differently when we're tired? So, if I've been constantly tired with no file sorting by the brain because of constant sleep disruption due to sleep apnea, could this be the feeling of living in a dream?
2: Probably. Yeah, I would think so. Well, and that's where you uh, store memory, you know, sleeping in -hmm. your timid process. It's when you process things that you've learned throughout the day. So, definitely could could be in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And then a couple people responded to that Reddit post saying that they felt the exact same way before they got diagnosed.
2: Interesting. Oh, okay.
1: So, but I thought that was interesting. Like you're so tired
2: that your life is just like hazy to you almost. That's, yeah. And that's it, sad. And it sounds like he didn't you know it's so sad. Doctors do that a lot. They just like label depression. Yeah. I and mean, I've gone through times where I was having some a lot of problems like digestive issues and all the doctors couldn't figure out what it was. And it turned out my neck was messed up and I needed to see a chiropractor. So my <laughs> like vagus and ulna nerves were getting pinched. Yeah. You're welcome. Yes, thank you. Tasha was the one that talked to her chiropractor about me. And he was like, get her in here. And then he was like, how are you functioning? You're so messed up. <laughs> Looked like I had been in a car accident. You were like, I hadn't.
0: keyword, I'm not functioning. Yeah,
2: that was the thing. But the doctor, my personal doctor just finally was literally at his wit's end. Like they had done all these tests and then he was just like, Are you sure it's not just depression? And I'm like, well, it's starting to be depression (laughs) because I feel like shit all the time. But that's not what it started out as. Yeah. So, yeah, it's important to talk to doctors. But it is hard when they just throw depression at you and don't really take it into consideration. So Mm -hmm. if you feel like you have a problem, keep going to different doctors until you finally get one that listens. Yep. Because that's the problem nowadays, too, with the way insurance is. You know, they pay the same amount of money per person regardless of what you have done usually. So it's like they're just – you're like cattle nowadays. It's like, hurry up and get through so I can get to the next person. So, yeah, I struggle with that right now. I'm looking for another doctor. If you have any good recommendations, let me know. <laughs> in, Utah, in Utah County. In Utah County, yes, please. <laughs> mom's going like, to Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, someone's
0: like, my doctor's amazing. Where do you live? New Jersey. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> but anyway – well, as always, if you have a dream, if you have a, a sleep apnea event, if you have anything, please. Event. Event, <laughs> event sorry. <laughs> if you have a history of anything that you would like to share with us that has to do with sleep or dreams, at dead to the world podcast at deadtotheworldpodcast.gmail.com.
1: Make sure you rate and review us. And also, don't forget to follow us on social media. And we appreciate you
0: being here. And we ask that you join us next week to find out what happens when we are
1: dead,
2: dead to the, the world. world.